Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So, to preface, I would just like to state that this story is probably going to sound a lot like uh, a plot of a campy 1980s horror movie and is going to be pretty long as well. However, the entire story is true, and if not for being five miles from cell reception, and the way the story ends, there would be a police report for verification. I'll be changing names, locations, and some details in order to protect the privacy of the innocent as well. So, a buddy of mine and I try to camp twice a month now that I have a vehicle that can be trusted to get me to some of the more remote areas of our state. We planned a camping trip for the past weekend and we chose a fairly remote location that we had been to the previous weekend as well. The previous weekend, we were the only people that we'd seen within a one mile of our camp spot. Friday night, we got there and we set up. This story takes place on Saturday night. It's about 9pm so the sun is long gone and the moon hasn't quite risen yet. It's pitch black out, other than what our fire lights up. When suddenly we hear a man just screaming. We listen intently, silently sharing an anxious look. At first, we were hoping that it was just someone drunk and having a little too much fun, but it quickly becomes obvious that this isn't fun party screaming. It isn't even like he's hurt. It sounds like full of despair, anger, and anguish. I'm going to take a moment here to remind you too that this is at 9pm pitch black night in the middle of nowhere, woods, 5 miles from the nearest cell phone signal and we hadn't seen anyone in hours. The screaming continues though for what felt like hours but was probably about 5 solid minutes I would guess. We had no idea what to make of it and 
started feeling extremely paranoid. We gathered up everything remotely close to a weapon and tried to come up with explanations of the screaming while keeping our eyes on the forest around us. After about 15 tense minutes of fear-induced paranoia, I nearly fell out of my seat as I watched a flashlight and lantern slowly enter our camp. I greeted the stranger with a basic how's it going before he was even lit up by the fire. He responded quickly but flatly by asking if we could do him a favor. That depends on the favor, my buddy and I said in unison, obviously tense, holding our weapons close to us. The stranger proceeded to ask if he could hang out for a second by the fire. Given the two of us, one of him, plus our myriad of weapons gathered from around the camp to within our arm's reach, we decided to agree to let him hang out. After a short second of awkward silence, I ask him what the heck is going on. He proceeds to tell me and my buddy that he was camping down the trail with his buddy and that his buddy had snapped and tried to kill him. Wait, what? I said before the thought even finished processing in my head. Is that the screaming that we heard earlier? The man slowly nods, staring blankly into the fire and begins his story. We were just hanging out, man, and we came up earlier today and, well, my buddy just freaked out. He started screaming and screaming and just wouldn't stop. Then he attacked me. He lunged at me and I told him to just back off and chill and, you know, well, he kept coming after me and started getting pretty violent and I'm pretty sure he was going to kill me, so I grabbed my car keys, the lights, and I ran. I don't know what to do, man. He chased me when I ran and I don't know what to do. We don't have firearms or anything, but we do have a hatchet. My buddy and I looked at each other for a second, completely astonished. Then, something horrible dawned on me. Wait, he chased you? Like, he's on his way here, right now? The man just slowly nods in reply, and right on cue, like some terrible horror movie come to life, we hear screaming from maybe 30 to 40 feet from our camp, down on the main trail. Whoever it was said, I just want your balance, Gary. I want your balance, Gary. Gary, where are you, Gary? And I'd never in my life heard a man scream like this. I've never heard anything like it in my life, in fact. It was a brutal, guttural scream that was shrill to the ears, yet deep in pitch. The sound of someone gone completely mad. And the way that he said the stranger's name would switch erratically from long and sing-songy to short, guttural punches of sound. We killed our lights, became silent, and listened. By some miracle, the madman didn't notice our camp and continued walking down the trail, screaming the whole way. We ended up chatting with who we'll call Gary for hours, listening to the screaming getting further and further away. Come to find out that they had taken four, maybe five grams of magic mushrooms each, and his buddy, who we'll call Ty was a co-worker of his and was fined for three and a half hours and then just suddenly snapped. It seemed as though Ty thought that he could kill Gary and steal his good trip or something. We hear the screams get further and further for over two hours. By this time it's 11pm, the moon is starting to come out and it's below 30 degrees. Ty had no jacket or flashlight according to Gary. My buddy and I are way too drunk to drive out of camp to get cell service as it was snowy and icy and required two to three miles of highway driving from getting off the trail and Gary was lightly feeling the effects of weed and mushrooms so he couldn't drive either. But we had to make the decision to let the guy wander 
hoped that he sobered up and could find his way back. And he did. Oh, he did. Right into our camp, in fact. But we hear yelling after about an hour of no screams, maybe 30 to 50 feet from camp again. Hey, help, please help me, I'm lost, and we can tell the man's walking from the woods into our camp. We tell Gary to hide just in case and greet the man with me carrying my 12-gauge shotgun and my 40 cal pistol holstered, my buddy carrying his AK-47 style rifle with his two 9mm Glocks holstered, and with our flashlights on our brighter settings in his face. He was 6263 and maybe about 300 pounds. We talked to him and decided that he was calm enough to walk with and walked him back to his camp. He seemed really remorseful, I guess, said that he blacked out and didn't remember anything, and had a, a falling out with his buddy. We escorted him back to his camp down the trail, returned and told Gary that Ty seemed well, cool now, I guess, and if anything else happened, to scream and come running, that we would come out and help him if he needed it. In the end, it ended up a, a pretty happy ending, we made friends with Gary and I got his phone number to make sure the next day that he got back into town safely, back to his wife and kid, and we're actually planning a camping trip with him soon. But Ty, who wandered screaming like a deranged maniac into the forest, potentially wielding a hatchet to murder your friend to steal his good trip or whatever it was that his psychosis-filled mind was thinking, we will never be seeing him ever again. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This happened four years ago when my boyfriend and I were still sort of fresh into the relationship. My sister had recommended me a, a snorkeling trip for a fun thing to do with him. It was this quarry surrounded by a campground that is filled with water and it's known for its crystal clear water and its diving as well. 
There's apparently a helicopter and a school bus that people dive down to see or something. Anyway, my boyfriend and I decided to go camping for the night. While we were checking in, we separately both got a bad feeling about the place, but had kept it to ourselves until after we left. So at first, it was a really good time, really. We snorkeled in the shallowish area of the quarry, and although the depth of the water was a bit uncanny, I still was enjoying myself. The water is 65 feet deep, so once you had swam out of the shallow area, it immediately dropped off and it was pitch black. This is actually where I realized, too, that I'm pretty terrified of water this deep. Besides the dark, deep water while we were swimming, though, there's something very scary about a lake that is perfectly still like this. I assume because it's a quarry, the water doesn't have a current, but my boyfriend and I are winding down our night, and we're back at our campsite. We're camping in a sort of grassy patch down a hill from the road. Our tent is pitched in a wooded area that our campsite is extended to, and just across the green is a campsite that looks well lived in, but our neighbors were out. We're making hot dogs over the fire when our neighbors get back. It's nighttime now, and they immediately go to sleep. I'd say 20 to 30 minutes after they got back is when things started to become really weird. You see, my boyfriend and I were chatting when we noticed a dark figure watching us from the hill. Because of the shadow of the fire, we could not actually make out the characteristics of the figure, but we knew that he was staring directly at us, almost sort of hiding behind our neighbor's truck. He had watched us for what felt like forever until he started walking down the road again. We both watched him in dead silence, watching him walk behind the trees, the same ones that connected to our campsite but that also went in between us and him. I anticipated each time that I'd see him walk forward, out from behind a tree. It was a good four or five that he came out from, but it wasn't until after this that I noticed that he had stopped walking, or he was behind the tree, still. I was totally freaked out. I mean, where did he go, right? I watched my boyfriend looking at what happened and thinking the same thing, but he had shrugged it off and I naively did too. We actually ended up forgetting about it and went to the quarry last night. It was beautiful seeing the stars reflected against the water, but the deep, now all-black water was terrifying to say the least. We walked back to our campsite, lined in our tent and smoked a joint. And it was around this time that I soon began to feel an uneasy feeling, which I was trying to ignore, telling myself it's because I was high. But after some silence between us, my boyfriend says to me, do you feel like we're being watched? And I said, why would you say that? Half joking, but full serious that I was scared. My boyfriend wanted to get out from the tent, so we're standing by my car and I got this stupid idea that being in the middle of the field that's in the middle of the campground is the safest place for us. My logic being that if someone was going to come up at us, at least we'd be able to see them. So, we're in the middle of this field when we see a similar looking shadow figure from earlier staring at us. He must have been about 20 yards away, I would guess. We both notice him while walking and he's walking in the same direction as us. We change directions and so does he. We tell one another that if we change again and he does too, that we're booking it to my car. And when we change, he follows. And we immediately book it to the car. 
I watched him from my seat as he slowly walked back into the darkness while still staring in our direction. My boyfriend at this time says to me, let's get out of here, and I agree, but all of our camping gear is outside. So we quietly get our things together, not trying to freak the other one out. But the weirdest part of this story, in my opinion, is the next part. You see, my headlights weren't working, and there was a weird fog over my windshield that didn't go away no matter what we did. We had to drive out of the woods with only low beams and a really strange sort of fog material over the window. In fact, we barely could see, but eventually we got out of there and, weirdly enough, the fog went away right as soon as we got to the gas station. We got home around one at night, I told my father the story the next day, and he said that he was glad that we got out of there or else maybe we could have gotten murdered. Apparently... Two people have died in that campground while snorkeling, which I only found out after I got back. My boyfriend and I think that it was probably a person trying to kill us, or maybe it was a, a wendigo or something. We're not completely sure what happened, but whatever it was, it was completely unexplainable to us. I mean, the lights not working all of a sudden, the weird fog thing over our front screen... The whole thing was uh, something that I'll never forget. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I've been through some, some pretty scary experiences, but this was the worst thing that I feel that I've ever gone through in my life. You see, I used to be a very naive, innocent kind of person, I was the type of optimist who believed that there was a touch of goodness in every heart. A dangerous mindset to be in, I know. I realize now that seeing the world through my rose-colored glasses put a big flashing red target on my back. Often, when you think of scary stories too involving creepy behavior and psychological abuse, you think of a, an occurrence from a stranger, I guess. In my case, it came from my mother-in-law. My husband's mother initially adored me, not for any reason other than thinking that I could be easily controlled, I guess. I was meek with a passive personality, so it made sense that I would come across like someone who could be easily influenced. Looking back on it, I cringe at how creepy the situation really was. For the sake of this story, though, I'll call my mother-in-law by the name of Mrs. Psycho. So at the beginning of my relationship with my husband, Mrs. Psycho and I were getting along pretty well, or so I thought at least. She'd take me shopping, give me compliments about my hair and girly stuff like that. As the relationship with my partner grew more serious, she would rant and rave to everyone in our neighborhood about how much she adored me and how I was like the daughter she never had. So naturally, I really thought that things were progressing positively. But certain things were just really off about Mrs. Psycho. 
I noticed little tidbits of her behavior at parties and neighborhood social gatherings. She'd sulk in a corner, for instance, and I'd chuck it up to her just being socially awkward or anxious. But looking back at it now, I noticed that she was always whimpering about something negative going on in her life. How she fell off her bike and hurt her elbow while riding through a construction zone. How one neighbor complained about her parking in front of his house or something. Her losing her job because she didn't get along with a co-worker. The list really just went on and on. In every story, she portrayed herself as a victim of some unusual circumstances. One huge red flag, though, that my mind didn't understand at the time was the story she would always tell me about her other son, my partner's brother. She'd say some really disturbing things about how he'd held her and my partner and his dad hostage in their own home and how he'd physically punched their father in the face. The way that she described the story made it sound like my partner's brother was a bully to the whole family and my partner didn't seem to think that it was quite as severe as she made it sound. Regardless, in all of her wild stories and accusations about him, she always scolded her son in ways that I just can't imagine ever scolding my own child. What my husband and I didn't fully interpret at the time was the underlying problem, which wasn't necessarily his brother, but the woman who had been a driving force for the insanity behind the behavior. Psychological abuse can trigger emotional responses in very unpredictable and even disturbing ways at times. Mrs. Psycho's behavior became evidently creepy after our engagement though. She showed signs of unhealthy enmeshment. First, she was angry that we didn't tell her immediately when we'd gotten engaged. Then she was angry when we changed the wedding date without first asking for her permission. She expressed a desire for my future husband and I to live in the upstairs of her house and pay for rent. We told her that we can afford our own home and we want to start a family, so that wouldn't work out. The infuriation in her eyes was frightening to say the least. She would look normal one moment, then if you told her something she didn't want to hear, her eyes would turn like black. The memory of her eyes really still sends a frightening chill down my spine too. From there, she became increasingly controlling as well. Mrs. Psycho and her husband, Mr. Psycho, would start showing up to our house every other day or so. I started counting how long they could go without having to see us in fact, and that number came to a mere three days. There was no privacy and I felt like I had to close the curtains over our windows every night. I just had that uneasy feeling, you know. I locked the bedroom door as routine before bed, just to be on the extra safe side as well. So despite our relationship being pleasant in the beginning, I noticed now that I was feeling like I was treading on eggshells around Mrs. Psycho, or perhaps rather landmines even. It seemed like anything that I said was offensive to her, no matter how innocent. I realized that I couldn't talk to her like I used to be able to when me and her son were just dating. I remembered when we'd been able to have nice in-depth conversations and I had allowed myself to be vulnerable with her. I confided in her about how I had a lot of social anxiety and that her son came into my life during a time that I was suffering from crippling depression. I talked about how he'd brought a ray of sunshine into my life thinking that speaking kindly about her son would please her, but she just had this unfeeling sort of glazed look across her face. Hoping to mend my relationship with her, I decided to help her out one day with organizing her antiques. 
She had this hobby of going to auctions and buying and selling knickknacks, buttons and stuff like that. She would get very proud of her collections of things that I sort of thought were junk, but to be polite, I told her that I saw beauty in these things, hoping to get back on her good side. There were some creepy dolls in the mix, including this horrifying looking vampire doll with piercing red eyes. She said that she had that doll for years and used to scare her sons with it or something when they were little kids. She laughed at the memory and the sound had an eerie satanical vibe to it. As if this wasn't enough too to freak me out. She then told me that this story about a female co-worker complaining about her to the HR department at her company and to seek revenge on this woman, Mrs. Psycho wrote a letter that was meant for the co-worker's husband telling him that she was cheating on him. To remain as anonymous as possible, she told me how she clipped on a, a pair of black gloves and drove the letter to a faraway location that her address couldn't be traced. I remember feeling very uneasy about that story, wondering how she could get angry enough to drive hours away just to cause emotional harm to another human being. There came a point after hearing this story too when I just didn't want to be left alone with my partner's mum anymore. My partner tried to talk to his parents about how I was feeling like I was on eggshells around them, but they flipped the narrative to say that they were the ones feeling on eggshells around me. During this time, I painstakingly realized that psychological torture exists in the form of extreme invalidation. Not having your feelings acknowledged can really drive a person crazy. It was then when I felt a little more clued in as to what may have happened to Mrs. Psycho's other son. I can't be sure because I never met the guy, but I think that he was driven mad by his mother's severe emotional neglect. Now, she was pulling the same tricks on me and my partner, gaslighting us into believing that we were just too sensitive. When my husband and I started figuring out that something was off, things got even creepier though. You see, his parents started showing up to our house to corner us into submission, what I mean is that they'd tell us stories to make them feel like victims so that we would give in to the demands of what they wanted at the time. If we denied their requests, they'd use psychological manipulation by telling us that we were uncaring or ungrateful. One demonstration of this manipulation was when I became pregnant. I explained that the smell of pizza made me extremely sick at the time, but this was ignored. And when Mrs. Psycho insisted that we go to a pizza restaurant for her birthday... I was confused with why I felt like I couldn't say no. My husband was in the same predicament. Somehow, I think we sensed that something bad would happen to us if we declined. This is also because Mrs. Psycho's husband and her sister had contacted us, telling us explicitly that we weren't allowed to say no to her dinner invitations anymore. They explained it like saying no hurts her feelings, but there was something else there that I just couldn't quite explain, I guess. Something hidden beneath the surface that sounded really threatening. I had no idea why, but I just didn't feel safe. And then, only two weeks after giving birth to our daughter, I had the creepiest interaction of my life. Mrs. Psycho caught me alone while I was on the front porch one day. The weather was really nice, so I was rocking with my baby in one of the outdoor chairs. She came to the doorstep and assumed a seat in a chair next to me. Then, in a really ominous voice, she said to me, You have to share her, you know. Her black eyes flicked to the infant in my arms. 
And I know what you might be thinking, but this wasn't said in a cute sort of excited new grandma kind of way. Her voice sounded cold and possessive with certain passive-aggressive intent behind the statement. I naturally clutched my arms around my daughter tighter, feeling a protective instinct take over me. Mrs. Psycho had expressed to me before that she'd always wanted to have a daughter but was only ever able to have sons. Maybe I was being influenced by the postpartum hormones or just overall feeling paranoid, but a disturbing thought occurred to me that she might want to get rid of me somehow to have my daughter to herself. I later told my husband about the bizarre interaction with his mum and how I just couldn't keep up with the heavy psychological demands of his parents anymore. It was all taking a strange emotional toll on me as well as a strain on our marriage, and I still couldn't pinpoint exactly why. Nevertheless, they were causing us a lot of stress which was impacted on me all the more while I was trying to adapt to my role as a mother as well. They even restricted me in really bizarre ways, telling me that I was no longer allowed to refer to our daughter as my baby. I had previously posted on Facebook about how excited and happy I was to be a new mom, and I posted a side-by-side -side picture of me with my daughter with the caption, She has my eyes, which was meant to be a light-hearted and innocent expression, I guess, but my mother-in-law commented on the post with, My son had something to do with it too, you know which not only put a damper on the mood, but also felt creepy again. Like, why did she have to mention something we already know? It was almost as if my happiness made her more enraged or something. I really felt like I was starting to go crazy. The stress was enough to make me physically sick as well. At first, my husband hesitated when I told him about my concerns, stating the usual spiel that was natural for him to say that they were his parents and that he couldn't just drop contact with them. But something in his voice contained fear and it wouldn't take long before he would realize just how messed up the situation actually was. And the incident that drove him to the point of cutting off his parents happened when they cornered us in our own living room, demanding that we watch their unruly dog while they went on vacation for five days. My husband almost caved, but stayed firm when he told them, no, we can't, we have a two-month-old baby to look after. The murderous glare in his own mum then flashed at me, and it was intense, and enough to make my skin crawl. You know that look someone gives you before they're about to attack? It looks something like that from the movies. Very primal and extremely hateful. I thought for sure that she was about to lunge at me and wring out her hands around my neck, causing me death by strangulation. I was terrified, but Mr. and Mrs. Psycho eventually left our house, and they were clearly angry that they weren't able to convince us to conform to their will. My husband and I had a dark, suspicious feeling that something bad was about to happen too. First, we received lengthy emails from Mrs. Psycho, mostly insulting me. She said she thought that I was brainwashing her son and she went on to portray herself as a victim. She used the knowledge of my anxiety disorder to make an argument that I was mentally unstable and dangerous. She threatened to post about me on Facebook and make our life a living hell if we didn't apologize for deviating from what she wanted. At the same time, she told me that I was dead to her and listed all the mistakes I have ever made in the past as well as criticizing my faults. I'd be lying if I said that this didn't sting as well. My husband and I needed space to recover from the emotional wounds that she had inflicted on us. 
but we remained silent in all of this, not wanting to engage with her any further. My husband and I were pretty scared as well as being hurt, spending most of our days cooped up in our bedroom, not knowing what to expect. But we stayed strong through the process of separating from toxic relationship. Mrs. Psycho, though, proceeded to make good on her threat, posting about me publicly on Facebook. She said that I was crazy and she even went a step further saying that I had borderline personality disorder, in all capital letters mind you. This came out of completely nowhere as well. She knew that I had anxiety but I had never mentioned anything to her about being borderline or anything because I wasn't diagnosed with that at all. But it didn't end there though. She also posted a dramatic story of how we had banned her from seeing her grandchild. An active smear campaign against me ensued as Mr. and Mrs. Psycho actually went door to door to everyone's house in my community, posing as good citizens to warn everyone about their extremely dangerous, manipulative, five-foot-tall daughter-in-law. Thankfully, my neighbors didn't react the way that they expected, though. They were more wary of her than of me, in fact, and instead of ruining my reputation, which was the desired effect... Most people in my neighborhood were majorly creeped out by Mrs. Psycho's efforts. They were equally creeped out by Mr. Psycho's willingness to go along with the whole thing. I can only guess though that after years of being beaten down with his wife's abuse that he was just an empty shell of a man, a flying monkey to the proverbial wicked witch. There were a few doctors and therapists in my neighborhood who couldn't officially diagnose her because she wasn't their patient but... They said that off the record that they believed Mrs. Psycho may have been projecting, meaning that she was, in essence, confessing that she is potentially dangerous and volatile while pinning it on me. This, along with some stories of Mrs. Psycho's interactions with other people in the neighborhood, confirmed that something was disturbingly off with this lady. And this information made the situation all the more unsettling when Mr. and Mrs. Psycho showed up to our house for what we suspected would be a confrontation. My husband and I were watching Survivor in the living room with our baby when suddenly the doorbell rang. He crept to the front window to peer behind the curtain to see who it was and I could see the fear on his face. It's my parents, he said, and my blood ran cold. I immediately ran with my baby upstairs, pausing only to tell him that it was his choice whether to answer the door or not since they're his parents, but that me and the baby would be hidden away. As I made my way up the stairs, my husband hovered by the front door, conflicted. He didn't know what to do. Meanwhile, I could hear jostling at the front door like his parents were trying to now force their way inside of our house with a spare key. I thank God to this day that we had just changed the locks a few days before so they couldn't get in. I proceeded to run upstairs and close the bedroom door behind me, locking me and the baby inside. I held my daughter close, my heart thudding wildly against my chest. When there was a knock on the bedroom door, I reacted with a jolt. It scared me, but my husband's voice on the other side calmed me down, and he told me that he didn't answer the door. He was trembling when I unlocked the door to let him in. His face was pale. He showed me a text message from his dad saying, anyone home, followed by another text from his mother saying, you're a coward hiding behind your keyboard. Now, to this day, I don't know what would have happened if my husband had have chosen to answer the door that day, but really, 
I shudder to think about it. My husband and I both blocked them after that. Phone numbers, social media accounts, everything in fact. And they moved away to another state. Thank God. We have since had no contact with his parents for almost two years now and our daughter is growing in a loving environment, free of any of that sort of toxicity. Sadly, we've had to block some of my husband's other family because they were telling us that we should talk to my in-laws, which, by the way, feels a lot like being told, please contact your abuser. For this reason, I sometimes feel like it would have almost been better to be physically abused than mentally abused because then there would be some form of visible evidence of the harm that they had inflicted. In the meantime, they've so far made no attempts to contact us with an apology or anything really. Instead, they once reached out with a nasty, have a terrible anniversary, you two are a match made in hell, which only further secured our decision to cut contact with them. I have since armed myself with knowledge so that I will be less naive about creepy behavior in the future. I've studied up on narcissism and the negative psychological impact that some people can have on others through gaslighting and invalidation and things like that. I do hope though that everyone out there listening may be aware that not all abuse is physical. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.